Welcome to episode 43 of Blue Jays Happy Hour. I'm Nick Ashbourne, joined as always by Andrew Stone. We are coming to you at the conclusion of the Toronto Blue Jays regular season. It is over. They have won 92 games. That is, you know, slightly less than expected, but also sort of within the ballpark. I mean, before we kind of dive into the season, what we've learned, what we're expecting in the playoffs, on the wild off chance, Stoughton, that you want to uh, say anything about the games that took place today, there were two of them. So that's one 80, 81st of the season took place today. Was there anything in there that we should note before we kind of plow on? Um, probably not. Uh, the, not the games that I have ha- paid the most rapt attention to, uh, I'm not going to lie, o- over the course of the year. Uh, you know, I think the Yusei Kikuchi question is kind of interesting, and, and uh, I can't believe you know, we would even entertain the possibility of like allowing him to pitch in the playoffs. But you know, they're, they're, as, as we've known all along, there's an interesting guy there. But also, you know, generally, no, the, not, nothing particularly uh, stands out about those two games that they sort of just had to go through the motions and play. Otto Lopez, nice day. Gabriel Moreno, uh, I like him playing at other positions. I guess they're talking points. Yeah, I mean, those are the two guys, right? Like Otto Lopez, he spent so long, you know, did a lot of taxi squatting, did a lot of bouncing up and down and not really getting playing time. So it was kind of cool to see him, you know, after getting his uh, first hit the other day, then he produced uh, a lot more hits and maybe looked like a guy who could play a role, not in the immediate future, but he could be an interesting sort of extra infielder for them uh, at some point. And then Moreno, as you mentioned, you know, Lots of different positions, outfield, infield, uh, hitting an opposite field home run nearly 400 feet. That's pretty good for someone who has had struggles hitting for power this season. Yeah, you don't want to overreact to these games that were played extremely low intensity uh, against a kind of dubious Orioles team that's sputtering down the stretch and never had good pitching at the best of times. That said, I think Moreno in particular, that's kind of an encouraging sign. I absolutely. And I think, and I know that you've talked about this throughout the year, but like the, the the thumb or the wrist or whatever the injury that he had, uh, like last year, like it, like power takes a while to come back sometimes. Uh, and you know, that's been the thing that's missing from him. Uh, and you, you, you know, you see him in, in, you see the clips in the minor leagues, like he stings the ball, he hits it hard, but it hasn't been going over the fence. Uh, but like everything else is kind of there. Uh, and so, like, like you say, like, you can't take too much out of just one game or two games or whatever, you know, however little he's played uh, at, at the end of this season. But at least, but an obviously field home run is like, uh, feels like a good sign that maybe the power is coming back a little bit or growing a little bit. And, and, and you know, that will just add the, the needed dimension to his game that that uh that will like take him from being like oh a really good receiver who can you know slap some singles to like an all-star kind of caliber guy and and that's long-term stuff and i i don't know what it necessarily means for like how they're going to construct the roster in the playoffs or whatever like i but 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 that was definitely encouraging and and you know you you didn't have to squint too hard to see a guy who you're like okay like and we talked about this like last i mean addison barger is another interesting guy lefty bad outfielder but like we talked about like loris Gurriel jr last year last week and uh and how like maybe he feels like an odd man out or that's like that's sort of a, a spot where you can uh where you can replace that guy even though you know obviously like culturally and like uh you know just in terms of like the room that might be a difficult thing 
you know, but to get to, to, to left field could be an option for the Blue Jays to make some changes and to see Moreno be able to, you know, hold his own out there, uh, do a little do a little work on the infield. Uh, I, I think that's really good because that also means, and even if it doesn't work out, like even if they end up trading one of them, it, it's, it's, you know, you're, you're not over a barrel in terms of like other teams looking at your roster and being like, they have to trade one of these catchers. Like they've at least sort of kind of given the, a glimpse of the fact that they can make it work with the three catchers on the roster, which might not be the ideal way to do it. But now they don't, I, I think they could like with a straight face, tell another team like, no, you can't have Alejandro Kirk because uh, we can fit all these three catchers in. Yeah, and we saw earlier in the season when they really aren't playing any other positions, the three guys who are catcher and DH, and, you know, Jansen and Kirk don't have any flexibility. Like, the idea of Kirk at first base with the catch radius he would have uh, would not be ideal, to say mm-hmm. the least. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like you said, like, it, it really it, it caused some problems at times. It's just a weird roster configuration. And I know that the way the roster rules work now, you kind of do your your hand is forced to carry some position players, and that's part of the reason we saw so much Bradley Zimmer throughout the season. So it wasn't, I don't know, as negative as it might have been because the opportunity cost was less. Even so, I think everyone agrees that carrying three catchers over a long period of time is a mistake. And I don't know, like it's tough because Moreno's such so talented defensively, and his potential there is so high that it it, it will feel weird if he ends up spending a fair amount of time as kind of an extra player at other positions, but it's a good problem to have, as we've discussed, right? Like not a lot of teams can take a talent this strong and be like, wow, how could we possibly get them into the lineup? Like uh, <laughs> it is, it is a thing that's it's a problem unique to the blue Jays. You know, Danny Jansen has been better than you could possibly imagine. And so have Kirk this, so is Kirk this year, uh, you know, getting one kind of offensive breakout of that nature at a position where basically doesn't happen is incredible. Getting two is just bizarre, to be honest. Uh, um, absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, I think we can we can move past the, that doubleheader. The Blue Jays won one and they lost one, in case anyone cares about that. It's all locked in. The regular season is over. It's It was an odd one, I think it's fair to say, right? Like, 92 wins. At the beginning of the year, the Yankees probably would have been projected to win the division. I know that there was a lot of hype around the Blue Jays. There were a lot of promises made. And, you know, when people would ask me prior to the season, is this Blue Jays team really going to be this good? Uh, is this hype justified? Kind of based on how they ended 2021, and I really liked the moves they made in the offseason. I felt very bullish about this team. And... There was a lot of the year where they didn't seem to reward that belief in them. And yet, you look up at the end of the day, they did the most probable thing, I believe, which was be the be a wildcard team, but be one of the good ones. And in the Blue Jays' case, the best one, at least in the American League. Uh, the Mets are pretty damn good. Um, so it, I'm stricken by the fact that we kind of ended up potentially where we expected, but it sure didn't feel that way on, on the road there. I, I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. And, uh, cause yeah, like nobody was like, you know, a lot of, I, I, I don't know about projections and there's a difference between prediction and projection and like, but I don't think a lot of people were projecting the blue Jays for 105 wins. You know, they, they absolutely sort of landed in the space that, that, uh, a lot of people would have, would have said. And I think you're totally right about, and I don't, you know, we've, we've talked a bit, about how like uh and i've had this discussion with like folks on the blog and, and and on twitter and stuff but like like the 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 hype the not justifying the hype or not living up to the hype uh has colored i think how people have perceived this season 
I think that that's I think that that's true though. Sometimes sometimes I read people tell me that, and, I, and I'm kind of just like, I mean, do you like do you really like does 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 that prognostication have that much sway over how we feel? Does the does the quote about not last year was the trailer, this was the movie have that much sway over how we feel? I don't know about that, but I think you were absolutely bang on about the end of last year and the way that the narrative of the 2021 Blue Jays was if they hadn't played in Buffalo and Dunedin for so long, they would have been a much better team. They were much better after they came home uh, and, and started playing games in Toronto. And you could say, you know, they had a weird stretch there uh, in, in August, I think last year, but like, but, but like that was a, that was a better version of the Blue Jays than the one that had to like host Yankees fans and Braves fans and whoever else at Dunedin and, 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 you know, just have that weird year that nobody else did last year. And I think it became easy no, I mean, also, you know, obviously, like Vlad's season last year was you're kind of like you hope that that's the baseline, even though you kind of know that it can't be. And it's been it, it's been weird to watch the conversation about Vlad happen this year because, you know, it's it, it's a really good year. He's had a very, very strong season, but it's absolutely not, you know, what we know he's capable of and what he's shown that he's capable of. And I think it gets it becomes easy to, like, nitpick the double plays, the balls batted into the carpet and stuff. But if you look at great hitters in their career, like if you look at George Springer, there are there are years there's a like there's a range of outcomes and 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 it kind of he can he can land in a few spots and I as he matures as a hitter and as a player, uh you know the, the if you look at his way to runs creative plus like it, it just it continues to get better he's a great player Bryce Harper kind of say same thing so it, it, it's not like it's anybody should be worried about Vladdy and I don't I, like I think it's dumb to pick on him uh, but also that was a big driver of the expectations for this team as was last year's performance once they came back to Toronto. And it was just kind of like, and, and I'm just guilty of this as anybody, but like they, it was like, Oh, this was the real blue, the real 2021 blue Jays were the team from August and September who just barely missed the playoffs, but who would have easily made the playoffs had they played at home uh, for the first four months of the year. And I think that, I think that's fair. And I think that's understandable. And I think that's why, you know, uh, less so than the the easy to pick at uh stuff about the trailer and the movie or even or even you know like Bo Bichette having what you know the 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 first five months of the year that he had uh stuff like that like I, I mean I, I think that the 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 expectations were justifiably high exactly as you say and the offseason moves were good and it's kind of you know, it, it's been a good lesson in how tough the sport is. And, and that, I think that's a thing that rebuilding teams kind of always have to deal with. Like it's to, to flip that switch to be like, oh, we're going to just win now is much, much more difficult. And I remember writing this in 2017, 2018. Like it's much, much more difficult than uh, th- then then you like it's easier said than done to just be like, well, we're just going to we're going to get good players and we, we'll be good again. And, uh, and, and 2021 kind of gave a taste of the potential of this team and you know, you mentioned the Orioles. Like, it, it, like it's not necessarily always linear. Like, I don't think next year's Orioles are necessarily going to take a, a progression from where they are right now because the, the talent, like, they could, but the talent on that roster maybe doesn't add up to that. And, and sometimes teams peak a bit early, and maybe that's what we saw with the 2021 Jays. And this is more of, like, a recalibration. Um, and and it's it's been... It's been a slog at times, but also, I don't know, also this is a sport where it's like, I'm going to voluntarily watch my favorite team that changes the mood that I'm in based on their results, 
lose 70 times over six months or whatever number it is, right? Like it's, uh, it, it, it's, it, it's a grind. It can be a grind. And, and we forget that. And I've written about this a bunch. I'm going on and on and on here, I'm sorry. But, but, like, but like, like 2015, 2016, like 2015 in particular, we kind of, it was indelible because it was that bang at the end of the season after the trade deadline. And 2016 doesn't feel as appreciated as a, success, as a successful season for the Blue Jays because it was a grind. And this one kind of mirrors that, I think, a little bit. Yeah, I think the order of events is also important because the Blue Jays got off to a superficially strong start to this year. They were 14-8 and eight in April, but they had a run differential of zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we knew that this team was not quite as good as the record indicated, but we kept believing that they were because it's like, oh, well, you know, the 2021 will come through. What we saw last year is going to come through. They're lucky to have banked these wins, but this is a really good team. So this win-loss is not going to look silly in the end. Like they started the season with a month with a 636 winning percentage. Their September was 643, and then the middle was just full of murkiness. And I mean, their their end is pretty similar to 2021. Like their September in 2021 was 19 and nine, and this year it was 18 and 10. And then you add those wins in October, uh, it was actually a little bit better in the end. But I, I said this when we finished off last year that there was a possibility that in 2022 the team would be worse, mm-hmm. would kind of perform worse, but the end result was could potentially be better because of you 2021. Did say that. You definitely did say that. Because the 2021 Blue Jays were so unlucky in terms of that amazing run differential and the talent they had and how they were unable to convert this. You know, they were 15 and 15 in one run games, which seems to understate some of the difficulties they had. Like it, it seemed like at times they were absolutely underwater in those type of games. This year, the Blue Jays are 30 and 19 in one run games. Now, offense is down around baseball. So I think that that contributes to the fact they played in significantly more one-run games. But this team, I think, yeah, it's hard to dispute, is worse probably than 2021 Blue Jays. But also, that kind of doesn't matter because here they are in the playoffs when last year's edition was not. And just like last year's edition, and this can be an easy trap to fall into, but it does seem like things are coming together at the right time. Now, you wouldn't know it from watching Casey Lawrence and Trent Thornton today. Um <laughs> No, but things not. are. Here's a question for you because I looked this up when I saw that Trent Thornton pitched. How many innings do you think Trent Thornton pitched for the 2022 Blue Jays? Oh wow, you're uh, no, you're you're killing me here because I'm gonna have no idea. I but I, I like forty ish. That's good. I would not. I would. I, it was forty six. All right. I, I would have guessed so many fewer than that. I would have guessed something <laughs> like 19 or something stupid. Like it, it just kind of goes to show how little you remember about the, about the season sometimes yeah. and how certain eras of the year, like the Blue Jays following that, that start in April this season where they had a good record but didn't perform that well. And then they went into a slump from there. Like it is very hard to recall some of the things that were going on at that time. Like there was Ryu and his struggles like that. It feels like Ryu didn't pitch at all this season, but of it course really he does. pitched this really year. What, what and, is innings? What the hell? Yeah, it does feel like he barely pitched. And so there's a lot of things that happened over the course of the season that 
they just fall so deep into the recesses of our memory. And because it's such a long season, like Ryu pitched 27 innings this year, I probably would have guessed more again. And that's just because of the, you know, that's just a non-functioning memory uh, more than any cognitive bias or anything. But it is, it is an odd thing, a baseball season. Like it is impossible to remember it all. Uh, some things linger more in our minds. Some things seem more significant. Like remember when Lourdes Gurriel Jr. hit 400-ish for like a month and a half and was like the best offensive player in baseball for a bit? Like that's something that happened this season. Like, I'm just plucking things out well, of thin air. They, they fired their manager this year. <laughs> like, like that's going to be kind of a signpost, I think. You know, that's that's one of the things that will get remembered. And, and memory, I think, about... You know, about baseball seasons, I guess, and that, like it, 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 it will still shift, and we're sort of in the middle of whatever's going to happen here, and maybe you know we'll have to reassess what we think about this season. But they fired their manager, like that's a, that is a, a weird season, and it's and and it that feels like it was a long, long time ago to me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are certain games that stand out, like in twenty twenty one, it was always the Marcus Semyon uh, game that people talked about because you know because of the way that season ended. And because it just seemed like such a silly way to lose a ball game. And, and they threw away plenty of games with the, you know, Joel Piamps and Anthony Castro moments uh, that happened throughout the year. And, you know, Piamps was actually not the worst. So it's unfair to bring them up. But those are the type of names that were out there in high leverage spots. Like, it's funny to me because what I remember, I think, from this season, and it's unfair to, to point out this game in particular because it's the opening day game. And so that's always going to be a little bit heightened. But the way the Blue Jays fell in that game and also the fact that Barrios just had that disastrous outing. And you're like, well, that that shit never happens. Like, oh, what a, what a weird thing to happen that Jose Barrios got absolutely blown up. Well, whatever. They were the offense is so good that they can come back from anything. And Barrios is never going to do that again. So how great shape are we in after one game? Uh, that was a that was a thought that <laughs> that crossed my mind, and like the, you know, the season will deceive you like that. So it is, it is odd because I think people in the future, when they look at the season, will say, "Oh, well, that was a successful Blue Jay season. They made the playoffs. Potentially, it was kind of the start of this core having some level of postseason success. We'll see where that goes. You know, the Blue Jays will be favored in this upcoming series. That's no guarantee that they win it by any means, but the feeling of the season throughout had a lot more anxiety to it that I think will be remembered in, you know, 10, 15 years, just the same way that 2016, you say it's underappreciated now. And, and I agree with that. But I think that, again, I don't know, farther out in the future, people will be like, oh, yeah, that was the good year that tailed on from 2015. And they made a playoff run as well. Like those, these things feel very temporary. And in the long term, this could be an important franchise stepping stone. And it feels like we wasted all of our time in the middle of it, uh, being <laughs> hung up on who the fifth pitcher was. Uh, that's, that is entirely, entirely possible. I would, I will say, uh, in, in Marcus Simeon's defense, there's two games that I think are indelible from 2021. There is the one, the the, the Tigers game with, with the bad throw where they finally came, but also like he like single-handedly beat the A's, uh, in a game they well he did not single handedly obviously but uh, but like the, that walk off win was like something that really felt like a, a game changing moment a, 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 something that that really could spark them and and to his credit you know like he he was great and uh, you know actually I saw people talking about him like chasing that bag and going to Texas or whatever like uh, I, on Twitter the like this week and and obviously he has. Uh, 
he did chase some dollars, but also I think that, that was like solidarity with his uh with his union bros and was like, you know, uh I'm gonna take the highest salary possible because that's gonna push the salaries higher. So uh, that's all-time, something all time respect for Marcus Simeon is what I'm trying to say. That's something that we only say about dudes we like. True. Like you're not gonna, you don't hear that about Garrett Cole, right? Like Garrett Cole got that <laughs> big ass contract from the Yankees. No one's like, you know what, Garrett Cole is a great union man. Like you, you rarely hear that. Um, which is not, I'm not 100 accurate. Yeah. I'm not saying that we should criticize Semyon and like I, you know people in the vast majority of careers seek out the most financial opportunity possible. And I have no problem with him going to Texas and people are like, why would he want to go and lose? No, he wants to go and play baseball and be valued and get the prestige that comes with that contract. There's tons of reasons to do that. And and I'm not saying the union part didn't play in at all. I'm sure it did to some degree. Uh, but yeah, demonizing guys for getting the most money is stupid. And I think we're moving past that a little bit, which is excellent. Uh, but actively calling them out as like great union guys like Scherzer got that too, right? To go to the Mets. Um, is interesting because it's like this is something that we reserve for guys we really like. If we're going to go the extra mile and say not only is it okay that you you know sought out the biggest contract regardless of any type of loyalties, like we we assume it was for a greater cause. Uh, and you know what? Criticism heard. Uh, and yeah, that's right. I won't say that about Garrett <laughs> Cole. Like, but Simeon, yes, good for him. Okay, <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. So now that we we have the benefit of these 162 games and we can stop saying, like, we'll see where this goes and, you know, sentences of that nature, who do we learn the most about on this Blue Jays team? Like, I, I'm, I'm thinking of a couple candidates here. One of them that stands out is Alec Manoa, right? Because he had the rookie year, but, it, you know, it's still a relatively small sample. We had virtually no minor league track record for him. Obviously, he looked fantastic, uh, and we had very high hopes from him from – pretty much from the jump, but at the same time, the way he's established himself is a big thing. You could say a little bit the same about Jordan Romano, obviously a less important player, but he, last year in 2021, that was kind of his first year establishing himself in that role, and he he really carried a bullpen that needed to be carried through stretches of this year, and at the end, he stretched himself out and had some of those longer outings, and he looked like a, uh, you know, I don't want to say a vastly improved guy because you look at the numbers and they're pretty similar from last year, but it was more of a prove it situation. The other candidate, and you're absolutely free to go off the board. These are just the guys that jumped to mind for me uh, is Alejandro Kirk, just because we had kind of, uh, he had a bit, he's had a bit of a fractured career up to this point with various injuries and just sometimes not getting the playing time and the talent was always there, but we weren't a hundred percent sure what we were getting with Kirk and he seemed to have, yeah, he seemed to have answered some questions defensively as well, which is uh, handy for his long-term prognosis with the team or potentially just in the league. Yeah, I, 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 that's a great names you've chosen. I think that Kirk, absolutely. I mean, he's kind of, you know, come back to earth a little bit in the second half, but still does all those Alejandro Kirk things that he always did at the plate and defensively has really, really like taken a step forward. And that's something that is like sticky. Like that's like that. That's not, you know, like Alec Manoa, I, I completely agree. And I think that anybody who like, if you told, if you told us in April, what Alec Manoa's season would look like here in October, we would be like, that is like a 90th percentile outcome like that, that like he like, and we and like, we started this podcast, like, just like banging the drum for Alec Manoa, like, like call him up and uh, you know, uh, has he was great last year there's all sorts of reasons to be bullish on Manoa and yet I still think that like 
you couldn't really have expected him to take this kind of step forward. And I know that some of it is, you know, there's some there's some Babbitt stuff, and we talked about this last week. There's some the strand rate stuff, and uh, but he might be one of those guys. And there's there, there's I don't know that we've learned everything there is to know about about what Manoa is going to be long term as a pitcher, but we've certainly seen as like as good as it can get. It could and and like maybe that's not even true, and that's how good he's been. It's like he could maybe even do better than this. You know, a little more strikeouts and 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 just you know just gaining more experience uh, pitching at the big league level. Like, I mean, like, like, I'm not going to hesitate to say it because it's like it's like uh, it's not often you get to be as glowing about someone like, but it's like like Alec Mano looks legit, like really fucking good. I, I am hesitating a little bit, but like, yeah, you don't want to. I don't know. He's, he's been great and I feel really good. And I think every Blue Jays fan feels really good about what he's going to be doing, you know, going forward for the team. Kirk, absolutely. I think especially defensively uh, and particularly like those two, there was a great piece uh, at fan graphs this week looking at uh, the way that Manoa's strengths and Kirk's strengths as a framer kind of like play and play well to each other. And, and that's kind of why that personal catch relationship has developed a bit. You know, I'm sure there's other factors in there as well, but, but like Kirk, Kirk's ability to frame and to like steal strikes has just come so far in this year. That is, that has been, uh, uh, that, that, that's been absolutely awesome to watch. I mean, I think Ross Stripling is maybe a guy uh, you want to put on there. I think Danny Jansen is maybe, I mean, uh, in the Manoa category, I would say of we're not done learning about him, but like that's a guy who a year ago, or at least before he went off at the end of the season, before he got hurt at the end of the season a year ago, was still like, hey, remember when he was a bat first prospect and now he's kind of this guy who doesn't really like hits passably for a catcher uh, and gets hurt too much and whatever. And the hurt, the, the injury thing is, is obviously still a thing. But I think, and, I, and you know, the, some of the power is deceptive. It's kind of come in bunches, whatever. But I think you feel a lot better about Danny Jansen going into 2023 than you did in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Jansen was kind of on the highway to backup catcherville uh, yep. career-wise. Um, you know, he was a gold glove finalist. He was, he was on his way to carving out like a perfectly fine MLB career. But it's totally been recalibrated. And a lot of that has happened in small samples. And it's happened in samples that have been broken up by injuries, which makes it, like you say, it's hard to know exactly what you have with them even now. That being said, like what he has shown is just so far above and beyond. And also kind of above and beyond what he was in the minors, even as that bat first catcher. Like he wasn't a huge slugger. He was a a disciplined gap to gap kind of responsible, smart hitter guy. He wasn't the, I'm going to crank everything, you know, to left field out of the yard guy. And he wasn't Danny. He wasn't Danny Batts. He wasn't Danny Batts. If anything, he was a guy who hit like too many fly balls and they weren't going anywhere. It was like, he hit almost like a guy with power, but didn't have power. Uh, and now he has that, which is, he's very intriguing to me in terms of, yeah, who we learn the most about. I can't put him there just Right. As by a function of that category uh, and those exact words, I'm being pedantic with myself, uh, <laughs> which is impressive. Yes, um, there's a lot of questions with Jansen. I like Manoa there. Manoa also, you know, last year we asked about, you know, is this guy going to be a guy who limits contact, uh, who has that ERA that's lower than expected? Because he even did that in his rookie season because he walked quite right. a few guys. His FIP wasn't that fantastic as a rookie. And he thought, is he this guy who can limit hits, 
limit the contact, even though we just don't, we just don't have track record to say that he does that. And now it's been two years and it's been a lot of innings because he's logged a lot of innings this season. You know, we're talking about over 300 innings. We don't know 100% where it nets out, but it's fair to say with Manoa at this point, like he is one of those guys who is good at inducing soft contact. The degree of that will still be determined at some point in the future. But because we know that, it's helpful. And you can say with, you know, I, I don't think it's wild to say with confidence, like this is a front of the rotation starter. Whereas going into 2022, I think a lot of people saw Barrios and Gosman as the one too. And you're like, Manoa is a good three. And if he, he regresses back, he'll be kind of a three. And if he's improving a little bit, and, you know, pitchers in their kind of, I don't know, low, mid-20s don't necessarily improve that much because stuff often doesn't get that much better. And some guys get improved command for sure. But the pitching curve with uh, – sorry, the aging curve with pitchers is all over the place. There is no guarantee like, oh, because Manoa is young, he's going to get better. That's more of a thing that happens with hitters. Um, so we didn't know that for sure. And now we know he's a front of the rotation guy. And we know he's a game one start in the playoffs type of guy. So that is an important thing to learn. The flip side of this question is who's the guy who leaves us with the questions. And, you know, Jansen falls into that category, kind of covered him. You know, Vladdy is a candidate for this, although I think that's a bit of an alarmist way to look at this question. Barrios is a very good candidate for this. I think Gurriel real good for this question. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I think Curiel Jr. is a sneaky good one for this question because he had a very peculiar season at the plate and it's hard to know what this guy is offensively now and you kind of want to know what he's offensively because what he is offensively really determines how much value he has. Uh, absolutely. And I think that like it, it, it's telling that uh, at his age and his like the, the, his, the point that he is on his contract that they're kind of like, uh, why don't you become a slap hitter? Uh, it's kind of like the, like you're trying to rescue value that you hoped that would be there, and he and he's fine. And I like I I said this to somebody today actually earlier, and was just like like I, I like you, you don't like he's a and, and this feels bad if you're like not like into the granular aspects of the industry, but he is uh, he's just he's a really average player. Like his like his defense leaves you wanting, the offense leaves you wanting. The base running certainly leaves you leaves you wanting, and like, uh, yeah, he's a guy who is just like 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 such a such a fun, interesting guy that is part of you know the whole vibe of what they do. Uh, also, I think these last few weeks, and maybe this is like total recency bias, but I feel like like it, they've looked fine without him, and and maybe that's going to be a lesson for them. Yeah, I think I think Gurriel is a. Like and, and he's a good player, and I think he, I think, I think he has, and I think, like, I'm surely not alone. Like everybody can see that there is, there's a bunch of talent there, and like he's a really good guy. You can see what his brother does. He's got a little bit of that uh, bat to ball ability, uh, and that they've kind of tried to tap into because you know the 21 home runs and and a, and 260 on base or whatever the fuck it was. I don't know, uh, but like that, like that profile maybe isn't ideal for him. Um, and yeah, he's, uh, but, but I don't know that, I don't know being slow, uh, Ichiro is, is, is also, is, is, is the right profile for him either, right? Yeah. So I, I think that's, I, I think that's, uh, a wonderful name for this list. Uh, Jose Barrios, obviously, 
you know, you can't, everything has to be prefaced with like, we know we can be better. I will say, and I kind of like, I don't think I was snarky to somebody earlier in the year who was just like talking about how he can't beat better teams or whatever. But like, I, I, I did, I think, look it up at the time, but it didn't really register. But I did look up his numbers in his career against teams like above at 500 or above or, or below. And uh, they were a little alarming. And I don't, I like generally don't believe that kind of stuff because that's just, and we've talked about this before. Like, I don't know, you're a, it's a big league here. You don't, you don't penalize guys for playing in the AL Central. But, uh, and also, I think this year's just been such a, an anomaly and an outlier for him. But um, yeah, definitely, I mean, the guy who, the, the easy answer to the question is the guy who was like clockwork, you know, three and a half ERA, you know, a similar fit three four wins uh you know nine nine point whatever strikeouts every year or you know, strikeouts for nine every year you know the, the, the guy who was like the model of consistency having like just a garbage year you know sorry apologies to mike wilner but he's Burrios has been bad this year uh that that does leave you with questions absolutely yeah i mean yeah Burrios for all the reasons you just said the expectation that he would give you the consistency. And if anything, you know, potentially the fact that you are paying or overpaying, maybe I wouldn't say his contract is necessarily an overpay at the moment it was signed, but when you think of the prospects involved, like they invested a ton into the idea that Barrios was extremely consistent and durable. And it was the thing that he literally had been for five years, but yes. yeah, yeah, and 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 may well be again. Like I am not a person who's giving up on Rios. We talked about how hitters can just have bad years. That can happen to pitchers as well. But when you invested the amount of prospect capital and the amount of money that they did into Brios, they and term and term and term, yeah, that was with <laughs> the idea that they were going to value that side of the equation because. He was not at his top end at his 100th percentile, like that true ace, right? Like he wasn't right. as good as Gosman can be. Like Barrios is never really that. I mean, in an individual outing, sure, but over any stretch of time. So you said, you know what? Like some people might want to put all this, uh, the resources towards someone who has a slightly higher end. And we're going to go with a guy with a with a bit of a higher floor here. Still good at his height for sure. But that is a bizarre one. Guriel Jr. is so weird just because if you take all the things that he's done over his career and the best of them and you put them together, like you could have a pretty great hitter. Like if you could have a guy, yeah. I'm looking at his career high ISO, 264, right? And his career low strikeout rate, 16.8%. If you could have both of those things at once, you would have an unbelievable hitter, almost certainly. Uh, the thing is that you can't. And I think that earlier, um, <laughs> when I was, I guess, you know, a little bit more naive about baseball, I used to be very fixated on sort of, and I, and I can get, I can get back here at times for sure. I can fall into this trap of just like what a guy shows. Like if he shows something, he has that thing. And there is some truth to that. I think it's especially true when it comes to pitchers. But there's also, the, you know, the Blue Jays have seen with their minor league players, a lot of these guys, uh, you know, Randall Grichuk danced this dance for a long time, that there is often a very concrete sacrifice of, okay, we can cut the strikeouts down a little bit if we emphasize that, but we are going to lose power here. Or we can really let a guy, you know, let it rip and swing easy and, you know, swing for the fences. 
but you're going to see the strikeout rate rise. And that sounds like a very intuitive, stupid thing that everyone should get and understand all the time. But it is tempting to think, oh, well, he did this and he's done that. So he can do both of these things. And Gurriel Jr., you know, I think his 2020, it was, you know, it was a shortened season. So it's hard it's hard to put too much weight on that. But that was kind of the best combination of all the things. Uh, he had a 134 WRC plus that year. You know, he had the 21% strikeout rate and the 226 ISO. Like that, uh, you know, 11 home runs in the shortened season. Like that is kind of the closest to the sweet spot we've ever seen. I'm just not convinced we're going to see that again. And if he performs as kind of an average ish slightly above average hitter which is what he's been over the last couple of years with his defensive deficiencies he's just never going to really be an above average starter and i've i've i think i've pitched the lures guriel jr is really not a starting guy a bunch of times and then it seems like every time i do that he just goes off for three weeks <laughs> um but yeah i mean he there's a million questions about him but i also think the stakes are a little bit low um, because no, I don't think anyone's counting on him to be a huge part of the future as well. Like Barrios, it, not only do we have these questions, we need the answers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with, uh, with Gurriel Jr., um, you know, if he saw, you know, like you said, they've been playing well without him. I think if he were to suddenly, um, you know, be released or retire from baseball, uh, the Blue Jays' outlook would not change in, in a radical way, which again, it doesn't mean he's not a fine ball player. And there's lots of teams that could use him. probably teams that could use him more than the blue Jays, but where the blue Jays go from here is not going to be determined by him. Um, strong, sorry, white go ahead. Sox, strong white Sox energy somehow. I feel maybe for Lord's Gray. And I, I also think that like, like the, it, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to think about him and, and like, disconnect the fact like not boring and is cool and is fun to watch and like like if he were with Merrifield and had the same season and had been you know I think we would be we'd probably be more comfortably being like being like or if he was Randall Gritchick we would probably be more comfortable being like all right enough of this it's fine but but he's not like that because he's the, because he's a fun guy he's drinking his his uh his crazy juices in the dugout and he's got the hair and he's fun player to watch and like this is as you know Ross Atkins will tell you it's an entertainment product Lars Green fun guy and a fun guy to cheer for and a fun guy to watch and you know the 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 defense is not great at at, at times but also you know has a cannon that he can occasionally like unleash and and you know and can get on those streaks and there's a lot that goes into I think why people like this guy that is beyond just like the numbers on a page and and uh and yeah ultimately if you uh, if, if you heartlessly look at the numbers and 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 really assess it then yeah I think that uh I, I think that we know we're we know what we're saying here and I agree with you man the 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 mini flip side of that, and I do want to get to the the preview here a little bit because that's what people who are listening now and will listen later, you know, they're thinking about the Blue Jays series against the Mariners, and that's absolutely fair. That's what people should be thinking about. But the thing that's sneaky about Gurriel Jr. is that those guys in the playoffs that have that bat to ball ability, like again, it's not like other guys are useless, and sometimes the it gets overstated. But there's something to be said when all those big relievers come out who throw a million miles an hour and all those eight pitchers come out with having a guy who can consistently put the ball in play 
And he really has been that this year. So if I would not be shocked if after all this talk, if he's up to it physically, uh, if he were to have a playoff moment because he is the type of guy who sometimes thrives in those situations um, when the degree of difficulty goes up a little bit just from a contact perspective. So I think it would be pretty funny if we dedicated a surprising <laughs> amount to our season review podcast about how Guriel is not really part of the future and then he goes on to be the essential guy in the playoffs. That is absolutely on the table. But, uh, but base is loaded. He's like your Pat Tabler. Let's go. <laughs> All right. The <laughs> the Blue Jays have drawn the Seattle Mariners at home. I think that a lot of people saw this as one of the better outcomes for them. You know, home field is a big deal, and it's also what you wish for. Yeah, <laughs> facing the yeah facing the Tampa Bay Rays uh, is something I just don't think a lot of people wanted. I think that's a dangerous team over a three game span just because they're they're so good at playing matchups. When you look at the Seattle Mariners. I guess, well, let's start negative and then we'll end on a positive note when we get out of here. What about the Mariners scares you as a matchup for this Blue Jays team? Um, well, I mean, first and foremost, it's the length of the series and anything can happen. But, uh, but you know, I mean, Rodriguez is great. The lot, I mean, this, I'm going, I'm going about this backwards, but the lineup isn't as deep uh, as the Blue Jays lineup. That's, that's kind of the one thing, but like, you know, uh, Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray, like the pitch, the pitching is good. They have, they have a lot of really good, good starters, uh, and the bullpen's really good. And, uh, you know, these, this Blue Jays team to look at it through that sort of lens, which is what we're all here to do. Uh, they've been, they've been going really well lately, which is great. Uh, it feels like everybody's kind of, you know, all at their best at the exact right time that can change very quickly. Um, and yeah, like, I, I don't know, like, I, 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 it's going to be very tough. And I, but like I said, like off the, like off the hop, it's really, it's like, if you could, if you play, if the Blue Jays and Mariners played a 162 game uh, series, you know, they would like, they, they, they'd finish close to 500 each. I think like they're, they're pretty evenly matched teams and it's going to be really interesting. Home field is going to be an, uh, an advantage, hence the phrase. Uh, and that's going to be really fun, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know the, the and and the Mariners, the Mariners got that like uh, that stupid like we're 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 uh, we've ended the drought kind of thing about them. Everybody's going to be pulling for them who's not in the Sky Dome uh, or not watching on Sportsnet. Um, but yeah, I don't know. They 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 got some pitching is the thing, and the Blue Jays can be weak there sometimes. Yeah, I think the and you could say what I'm about to say about the Blue Jays too, but I think the Mariners have that top uh top heavy pitching that can kind of work in the playoffs where you're leaning on castillo and ray and potentially gilbert as your third starter you know they got george kirby there too (laughs) gilbert's really fucking good yeah gilbert is really good better than people realize i think and then they've got that sort of back four of their of their bullpen that's also really good and they can do that thing where they just ride the guys that are good and they leave the other guys behind. And it's not like the other guys, you know, there's some interesting arms kicking around, like Matt Brash is a bit of a weapon for them. You know, Chris Flexen used to be a pretty highly thought of starter in that bullpen. So it's it's not like it's all garbage. But it's they've, not nuts here with Chris Flexen worried about him. But yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> no, yeah, he's not someone that uh, keeps them up at night. But they have that, they've got the top end pitching and they've got the the bullpen, uh, especially those guys at the very back of that bullpen, which I think it's fair to say their bullpen is stronger than the Blue Jays, or at least it has been over the course of the season. And 
you know, it's hard to say the the lineup scares you because you put the Blue Jays lineup against it and it's just simply better. And uh, I mean, that sounds like a definitive statement, but you can look at basically any stat under the sun and it will tell you that. Like, you know, the, the Mariners have sneaky power. They, you know, they play in a park that is, you know, not nearly as friendly as the Blue Jays one. And they have a very similar home run total, but they don't have the same length. They don't have the same on-base ability, same consistency. So when I, yeah, when I think about how the Blue Jays lose this series, potentially, I think about, you know, that top end pitching really, you know, leaning on them hard and, you know, the old cliche about good pitching beats good hitting, which I don't really believe to be honest, but if that, if they lose, I feel like that is how they lose. So I, I flip it back to you, and I know you covered part of this. How how do the Blue Jays win this series? Oh, I mean, they uh, they they asked Pete Walker for uh, for Robbie Ray's secret, right? I mean, that's that's going to be like the, a very very important game. But yeah, I I I think you know ultimately, yeah, it's not. To, I don't want I don't want to dump on Dabby, but it's like, well, they go. They gotta win. They gotta score more runs and prevent more runs than them to win. Um, but no, I think I think it is weird to talk about the lineups because it feels like it has not been that long ago that we were kind of in a situation where we were thinking about the Blue Jays and being like, "This, like you know, we talked about this all episode, like and and for weeks beforehand, like like it it didn't feel like they were hitting well a lot. It felt like there were a lot of troughs in this season, and then you kind of look up at the end of the season where which is where we are. And it's like, oh, their number six, seven hitters are the best in baseball. And like they 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 don't have they they could roll a lineup that has like eight guys who are like above average. Uh which is hard to do, which is not easy to do. And so like, yeah, they I mean they they win by like just by going nuts at the plate, I think. Uh but I mean, it could be it, it it could be by the finest of margins. It could absolutely become uh, bullpen stuff. I, I've been very heartened by John Schneider's uh, 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 willingness to use Jordan Romano uh, for multiple innings, and 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 that can obviously be a, a factor that will like sort of neutralize a little bit the fact that the Jays don't have that, as you say, top end kind of bullpen talent. Maybe you know Garcia's been fine. Like there's fine guys there. But uh, turning Romano into two outstanding guys, you know, two innings worth of outstanding guys uh, really helps. But also the, the Mariners can do similar things, right? So, um, so yeah, it would be nice for them to just get a bunch of hits. I think that would be that, that would be my advice to them is to uh, – uh, is, is, but it, it, yeah, is to go nuts and to have Robbie Ray's secret. But, and lean on Whit Merrifield's veteran presence, uh, <laughs> the best the best hitter in the lineup over the last 10 days or so, and one of the few who's won a World Series. So uh, really the go-to guy here at the end of the year. Kind of kind of wild that there's there's that's not as much of a joke as it should be in was terms of how important he'll be. I think he didn't start until 2016. Was he on the 2015 team? Oh, was he? I don't want to credit with Merrifield for being a... Well, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're right. He's 26. I thought he was 2015. I thought he was a rookie. No. I'll agree. 2015, the World Series just simply was not played that year. But, uh, but that Damn. is... I think Merrifield was, yeah, 2016. He suckered me in. He, he was so good over the last couple of weeks. I just assumed he was a champion. Uh, it could, <laughs> that can happen. You know, he, he plays like a champion out there. He has recently. Uh, we will, we'll leave it there with a nice little gaff to finish it off. Uh, it's a, a bit of a complicated schedule for us going forward. We don't know exactly how these are going to play out. 
we would like to be with you uh, for as many of these playoff games as we can. But this is a, you know, in Canada, Thanksgiving, it's a bizarre weekend. We are going to come to you next at uh, prior to game two. Um, I don't know, I guess probably around 2.30. We haven't figured out exactly what that time is. So you can, uh, we can talk a little bit about game one, what happened, what is going to happen in game two. And uh, I'll actually be at a wedding during game one. So maybe Stone can just fill me in uh, on exactly what happened in the game, just piece by piece. You're going to be checking your phone. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll I'll sneak around. I'll I'll figure some stuff <laughs> you, out. You won't be the only. There'll be people gathered around the trunk of someone's car. If it's like any wedding I've ever. It's, known. it's. I think I think it's more of a Leafs crowd, but I I, I suspect there'll there'll be some people. There'll, there'll be some uncle types. I think I'll, I'll be able to find some allies out there who uh, who know what's up. But it, it'll be an interesting experience. Um, looking, looking forward to navigating that, looking forward to getting back at this. And if the Blue Jays have a long playoff run, uh, we hope to be with you as consistently as our schedules allow. So we will talk to you again on Saturday. Indeed we will. Thank you, everybody. Uh, yeah, let's, let's go Blue Jays. This is, this is the fun stuff. Uh, talk to you before game two.